This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. Last several weeks, we've been with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. This morning, I'm going to take you deep inside of the fiery furnace at maybe what that fourth man said. Now, this morning, I have no idea what that fourth man said, neither do you. But I got a wild imagination. And so I'm going to try to take you deep inside because I don't exactly know, but I got a good idea. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 18. I want to read to you one verse. First Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 18. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I have a good feeling this morning that what that fourth man said, I may preach a whole series on what the fourth man said, But I think this morning what the fourth man was trying to tell them is how do you stay thankful in the fire? I want you to notice again what that verse said in verse number 18. In everything. The Apostle Paul writes the book of 1 Thessalonians and it's one of his earliest letters One of the first things he ever writes was the book of 1 Thessalonians, and it's written roughly 30 days after he leaves the church at Thessalonica. He had started that church, and 30 days after he leaves that church, they had a bunch of questions, and he sends that letter back to that church. And as he sends that letter back to that church, he he sends the, the questions that had been sent by his young protege, Timothy. Timothy had brought to him some questions that that church had. And so Paul spends four chapters answering those questions. He gets to the end of the letter. And just like anybody that loves somebody does when they leave their house. How many of you, whenever your mama would leave visiting your house, she'd always give you some type of quick checklist before she'd leave? Now turn the stove off and make sure you lock the doors and make sure the heat and the air is set to the right. She'd give you this quick little checklist. And that's what the Apostle Paul does beginning in verse number 14. He gives them an eightfold checklist of what they are to do and what they are not to do. And he gets into this and he says it in the forms like this. He says in verse 14, he said, now I want you to be honest. Then in verse number 15, he said, now I want you to be compassionate. In verse number 16, he said, now I want you to be joyful. In verse number 17, he says, I want you to be prayerful. Then he gets into verse number 18 and he says this, I want you to be thankful. Now I want you to notice what that verse says again in verse number 18. Paul says this, in everything. Now I want you to be very careful that you don't misunderstand what he doesn't say. Paul does not say for everything. He says in everything. Because if the Apostle Paul had said 
for everything be thankful, then you probably could say that there was some type of uh, there was some type of sadistic mindset. Because how can somebody that's been beaten and been abused and been suffering and been sick and been tormented and been in slavery and been in bondage, how could they be thankful for that? Paul didn't say be thankful for everything. He said, I want you to be thankful in everything. That word in is an interesting preposition. Circle it, and I want you to put the redneck definition. You ready? Smack dab center. He says, in the smack dab center of everything, be thankful. No matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what circumstance you're in, there is always something you can be thankful for. Brothers and sisters, right now, what you're going to find is that there are people in this room that are searching and they're grappling and they're doing everything that they possibly can to figure out how to be thankful for what they're in. The fiery furnace, the trial, the abuse, the situation, the pain, the troubles, the, the issues. And you're trying to grapple and you're trying to wrestle with that flesh. And, and you know that there's something in the spirit driving you in this season of thanksgiving. And you're trying to say, God, how can I be thankful for that? God said you're trying to be thankful for it. And I want you to be thankful in it. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, here's what you're going to find. No matter what you're in... There is always something to be thankful for. When you get stuff in the right order, then all of a sudden it begins to make sense. You see, if you're trying to be thankful for something, you're never going to have the spirit to be thankful in it. But when you start saying, God, no matter what I'm in, I know there's always something I can be thankful for. Ladies and gentlemen, I remind you right now that when Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, he was not writing to a church that was staying at the Ritz-Carlton. This church was not living in the midst of pumpkin pies and cranberry sauce and turkeys on the Thursday of Thanksgiving. Honey, they were dealing with hard, difficult stuff. There were four things Paul said, I want you to remind yourself you are to be thankful in. He tells them, number one, I want you to be thankful even when you're dealing with depravity. Ladies and gentlemen, the church, at the, I can already tell this morning at 9 o'clock, I'm going to have to loosen my tie. Y'all going to make me get a little hollering in this thing. I got to make sure I can breathe real good on a Sunday morning. Here's what he says. At, down at the church at Thessalonica, Thessalonica was a port city. And it had a major place there on the Roman road from, that led from Africa all the way up into Asia. All the way from Europe, all the way. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody that came through Thessalonica had money. They were people that had, they had means. And everywhere you went, there were vices. There were vices of, of sexual sin. There were vices of moral sin. There were vices of religious sin. There were vices of all types and yet these people at Thessalonica had chosen to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ they had turned away from the Roman gods they had turned away from the Greek gods they had turned away from the Thessalonian gods you see one of the main gods that they served there at the city of Thessalonica was the Greek god of wine Everywhere you turn, the Greek god of wine had a, a, a festival set up. So whenever you see wine, you can always tell there's going to be alcohol. There's always going to be drunkenness. And wherever there's drunkenness, there's always going to be revelry. And wherever there's revelry, there's always going to be a lack of self-control. 
Now, I think I'll take my first of three timeouts on a 9 o'clock service and just say to the teenagers that are in the room and the college kids that are in the room, I am not an old man, but I'm not where you are. So take it from somebody that's not your mama and not your daddy. The quickest way to ruin your life is to get involved with alcohol in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I don't care if it's in a social sense. I don't care if it's wine. I don't care if it's a little, a little mixed drink. The quickest way to ruin your life is to get involved with alcoholic beverages in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm just telling you, they will say it's acceptable. You'll even have preachers and Christians that will tell you it is an acceptable thing. Ladies and gentlemen, the quickest thing you can do to run your life into a gutter is to get involved with alcohol, wine, beer wine coolers, mixed drinks in any way, shape, form. You say, but it's good. So is Coca-Cola and so is Minute Maid orange juice. And I've never seen somebody slam into the front of a minivan full of a mother and kids because they had too many Coca-Colas and too many Minute Maid orange juices. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, we've got, a, we've got an entire world that's trying to cram down acceptability into the throats of the people of God. Don't mess with it. Get away from it. Throw it in the trash can. Go find a Coca-Cola. Drink a cup of coffee whatever you got to do, get away from it. It's foolishness and it has no place in the hand, the heart, the mouth, or the belly of a child of God. Time back in. Here's what he said. He said, I don't care how wicked the days get. I don't care how depraved the days get. I don't care how awful the days get. He said, you've always got something you can be thankful in the midst of that thing. We do not live on Walton Mountain, brothers and sisters, and we do not live in Mayberry anymore. We are dealing with a wicked society. We are dealing with a depraved society. We are dealing with things that we never, ever imagined that we would ever, ever deal with. On one side, you've got a lifestyle that is depraved and wicked. But on the other side, you've got a group of people that are so filled with hate that they go into clubs and instead of preaching the gospel of love, they take guns and end those people's lives and send them to a devil's hell. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a depraved depraved society, but in the midst of that depraved society, in that, you and I have still got many things that we can be thankful for. He said, you're not just dealing with depravity. He said, you're also dealing with your development. Won't you notice what he says in chapter 3, verse number 2 and 3. Paul said this, and I sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Paul wrote to these Thessalonian churches, and I'm just going to be honest with you. You and I think we got it hard. We have no idea what real sanctification looks like. When God starts knocking the rough ends off of your life, it is not pleasant. When God starts shaping you and forming you and fashioning you, the fire is never a pleasant place. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not one time ever looked at the flame and said, this is a good thing. 
Ladies and gentlemen, when God starts working in your life, people are going to leave you, things are going to leave you, situations are going to turn on you, lives are going to turn upside down, homes are going to be turned upside down, kids are going to go that way, moms and dads are going to go that way. When the sanctification process goes on in your life, you're going to think God's mad at you, you're going to think you've messed up on God, but at the end of the day, no matter how God is working in your life and is rubbing the rough edges off of your life, you can find something to be thankful for. For. There are people in this room right now, people that are watching us online right now, and they have no idea what God's doing. Can I help you? Neither do I. I still ain't figured out what God's doing in my life. I still can't put my finger on what's going down. But I can tell you this, at the end of the day, no matter how bad it hurts, there's always something that I can find in that to be thankful for. People in this room, myself included, we have lost the ability to be thankful in stuff because we're so busy being hard-headed for stuff. Number three, he says in verse number four, chapter 4, verse number 13, these people weren't just dealing with depravity and they weren't dealing with their development, but they were dealing with death. He says in verse number 13, he says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. You know what that means? People in the church have been dying. Now I want you to notice what he says. He says concerning them. Do you know what that is? It's plural. They didn't have just one funeral. They didn't have just two funerals. They were dealing with problem after problem and death after death and funeral after funeral. You see they had to keep pound cakes on display because they were having to give them out so much. I'll tell you a funny story about my mama one time. My grandma found out that my mama made real good pound cakes to take to funerals. And so what she would do is she would tell my mama, Mama, uh, she said, Honey, I'll pay you for the, for the cakes that you make to take to the funerals for the, the pound cakes. And so, man, she was just having to do pound cake after pound cake after pound cake after pound cake. What my grandma didn't realize is mama was going to K&W and buying those pound cakes and just putting them in her Tupperware. And so they, she asked Mama, she said, now, Debbie, how much are those pound cakes? She said, they're $6. So my grandma would give her $6 to pay for the ingredients on the pound cakes. My grandma always asked, she said, how did you get those ingredients down to exactly $6? Mama said, it's just the way God works. You know, well, K&W went up on their prices. So Mama had to figure out how to tell my grandma that she was getting them cakes from the K&W but not really tell her they were coming from the KNW. And my mama asked my grandma, she said, she said, Granny, what are you doing with all those pound cakes? She said, I'm putting them in the freezer because you never know when somebody's going down. <laughs> now, I said all that to say this. We've just gotten used to death. It's a normal part of our lives. Every day we wake up and we wonder what's coming new today. Death is a very discouraging thing. Death, death is a heartbreaking thing. Death is a monstrous thing in the mind to overcome. And you'll go down to a graveside, and you'll go down to a grave plot, and you'll go to a headstone, and you'll look at a casket, and you'll see that box lowered down into the ground. But at the end of the day, you'll stand there and sometimes thank God, why in the world did this happen? But there's something on the inside that wants you to be grateful, but you'll say, I can't be grateful for that thing. God said, you're exactly right. I didn't ask you to be grateful for it. 
I ask you to be grateful in it. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a fourth thing that these people at Thessalonica were dealing with and having to be thankful in. They were dealing with the demise of the culture. Notice what it says in chapter 5, verse number 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety... Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. You see, the Thessalonian church, their culture had started here. They were a free land. But day by day by day by day brought them lower and lower and lower. You see, they were in that prophetic funnel and everything was moving Toward the program of God. Brothers and sisters, I hate to inform you and I, but it ain't going to get much better. You look around at the land you and I live in, and I love this land. I love everything about this land. But we can vote in a Republican. We can vote in a Democrat. We can put this guy in. We can put that lady in. We can put that party in. It's not going to get much better. I'm going to tell you why. We are in this thing where at the end of time, it all funnels down into the program of God that is the Antichrist system. And you and I can fight it, and you and I can do all we can to fuss about it, but it will leave us so demolished and discouraged on the inside and will say what good is there what use is there anymore in standing up for the culture how can I be thankful for that God says I'm not asking you to be thankful for that I'm asking you to be thankful in that I brought you all this way to give you three things you can always be thankful for listen you can't always be thankful for family what do you do to somebody that doesn't have any family? You can't always be thankful for health because there'll be times in your life when it's one thing after another thing. You can't always be thankful for money because gas prices go up to $5, then they go down to $2, and then they go back up to $6, and then they come back down to $1.50. You can't always be thankful for money. The stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. Crypto goes up, crypto goes down. You can't always be thankful for your ability and your job because jobs come and jobs go. You can't always be thankful for your children because children grow and they leave. You can't always be thankful for church because sometimes church is good and sometimes church is just not good. You can't always be thankful for people because people will hurt you and people will discourage you. You can't always be thankful for your house because pipes leak and dishwashers break and refrigerators go bad and ice makers start melting. You can't always be thankful for those things. But I'm going to give you three truths right now that every child of God can lay down in their life and in the midst of every problem you have, you can look to the God of heaven and get on an altar, ride down the car, ride down the road in your car and lift your eyes to the God of heaven and say, God, I am thankful in the midst of these things that I'm in for the things that I have right now. Here's the three little tips. Number one, the first thing you can always be thankful for, you can be thankful that right now this is as hot as it's ever going to get. Ladies and gentlemen, the fire is going to blow around your life and the furnace is going to 
hurt your soul and the flames of adversity are going to come against you. But at the end of the day, if my name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life, my name is recorded on the other side of the river and it may be bad right now, but this is as bad as it's ever going to get. And it may be tough right now, but this is as tough as it's ever going to get. Ladies and gentlemen, hell can't touch me and the fire ain't got no hold on me and the flames of this furnace may be hot, but I'm never going to feel the fires of hell. Can I give you a few verses for somebody to be encouraged by right now? John chapter 3 and verse number 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he believed in the believed not in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I want you to put up 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 10. The apostle Paul said back in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 10 that we wait for his son from heaven which delivered us from the wrath to come. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 10. He said we have been kept from that hour of temptation. Let me take all those big verses and sum them down into one little capsule. If you've been saved by the grace of God and you're not ashamed of it, lift your hands and wave at me in the house of God. Then right now, it may be hot in your life. It may be tough in your life. It may be blowing against your life and the fire may be burning in your soul but at the end of the day the fire you feel right now is as bad as it's ever going to get you're not going to hell you can't go to hell you won't go to hell it doesn't matter what you are it doesn't matter where you've been it doesn't matter what sin you brought up I've been recorded I've been written down I've been sealed in I've been baptized by I'm heaven bound with the hammer down and right now in the midst of all the fire I can look up to the God of heaven and say God I may be walking through hell, but I'm glad I ain't going. But on the flip side, if you're saved, the worse it gets down here is the worse it's ever going to get. But on the other side of the equation, if you're not saved, as good as it gets down here is as good as it's ever going to get. I don't care if you've been to church. If you've never been saved, you're not going to heaven. I don't care if you've been baptized. If you've never been saved, you're not going to heaven. I don't care if you've joined a church. If you've never been saved, you're not going to heaven. If you've never had that moment, if you've never had that intersection where the, the, the convicting power of the Holy Ghost shows you that you're a sinner and you have that moment where you turn away from what you are and say, I know that I'm wrong. I know that I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ. And you say, yes to Jesus Christ for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth. It's not by works of righteousness that I can do. It's not by works of righteousness that you can do. It's by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not your mama going to church. It's not your daddy going to church. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you been born again? But I'll give you good news right now. If you've never been saved and you've never had that moment in just a second you'll see people come down to this altar you get up out of your seat and you make your way down to this altar and by bowing on this altar, you say yes to Jesus Christ in that moment, in that millisecond, at that very inkling, the God of eternal glory is going to take his pen of omnipotence, dip it in the blood of the sovereign Son of God and write your name in the Lamb's book of life, sealed forever. 
And then you can know no matter how bad it gets here, that's as bad as it's ever going to get. I heard a preacher say one time, and I don't know why preachers say stupid stuff. They said you shouldn't turn to Jesus just not to go to hell. I'm pretty sure he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. You can't be saved until you realize sin has punishment. And punishment is eternal hell. Brothers and sisters, I pray that God, if you've never been saved, my prayer right now is that God will let you feel the flickers of the flames of hell up under the tail end of your soul. I pray that tonight when you lay in the bed, if you say no to Jesus Christ, that the convicting power of the Holy Ghost will not let you go to sleep every night, will not let you lay your head on your pillow. And then I pray right about the time that you're ready just to be done with the whole thing, that the long arm of love will walk into your room and remind you that there is hope in one man but I remind every child of God right now that as bad as it gets remember this in that problem you look up to God and say thank you Lord that I'm not going to hell number two I'll give you something else you can always be thankful for no matter what you're in number two you need to remember this it will come to pass it will come to pass you realize no matter what anybody was in, they never stayed there. Noah built an ark and stayed in the flood, but it didn't stay there forever. Elijah was up on top of a mountain with the, the prophets of Baal, but it didn't stay there forever. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, but they did not stay there forever. Daniel got in the lion's den, but he did not stay there forever. John the Baptist was in prison, but he did not stay there forever. Jesus Christ was on a cross, but he did not stay there forever. Paul and Silas were in a prison, but they did not stay there forever. Peter got thrown into the, into the crucifix, but he did not stay there forever. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got this idea that if it doesn't end right now, it's never going to end. Ladies and gentlemen, I remember mind you my dear brothers and my dear sisters we are not looking at life we're looking at the big picture of eternity and what you're focusing on right now is a grain of sand on the seashore that's the difference between time and eternity you say is it ever going to come to pass oh it'll come to pass it's either going to end or you're going to die and it's going to end I'm, I'm coming to think in my soul and in my life that there are some things that God gives us to carry as long as our shoulders are on this earth. But I remind somebody that has a thorn in the flesh, remember, it will come to pass. The malady that you deal with, it will not last forever. The problem that you're carrying around, it will not last forever. The heartbreak that you have to hold on to, it will not last forever. The, de the discouragement that death has brought on, it will not last forever. You say, but they're never coming back. What did David say? He said, he will not come back to me, but the day will come when I can go to where they are. Ladies and gentlemen, the day is going to come when the resurrection is going to take away all sorrow and sickness and problems and pain and discouragement and all 
all the things that we bring about. I hope somebody right now is in that problem and in that situation and you're so busy trying to be thankful for that thing. God says, I never brought it to you so you could be thankful for it. I brought it to you so you could lift your eyes up to heaven and in that problem, you can learn how to be thankful. How many of you ever went to school and you had that daycare teacher that thought it would be really funny to take all the kids in the closet and turn the light off? Okay, well, y'all didn't go to daycares like I went to because, I, I mean, I was petrified. I begged my mother and my father not to send me that Methodist daycare. <laughs> I told them they were crazy. And Austin, we had these teachers, and she had this glow-in-the-dark ball. She thought it'd be a great... My sister was there. My sister went to daycare with me. I don't think they made you go to daycare, did they? They always liked you more. They always enjoyed your presence more than mine. You know, Ivan, I can tell you know what it's like not to be liked by everybody. Me and you are right here on the same thing, right? And people in Reedsville don't appreciate talent, do they? That's what I thought. Yeah. And Ivan, she'd, she'd take about 10 of us into this this closet. She'd walk us into this closet. She'd shut the door and she'd say, you trust me? And ten kids would say, nope. <laughs> she'd turn the light off. And we, I, I, can feel the, I can feel the fear in my heart right now. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she'd take out that glow-in-the-dark ball She'd say, look. And then she'd turn the light back on. <laughs> I was nine, ten years old. I've been able to pick out stupid my whole life. <laughs> and one of those little kids, they'd say, why'd you do that? She said, you can't see the ball if the lights aren't off. Can't see the ball if the lights aren't off. I thought, how stupid is that? <laughs> I love watches. I love all kinds of watches. When I, was about, when I was about 21, I couldn't afford watches, so I had to go to Walmart. And Walmart watches always have glow-in-the-dark hands. I'm 37 years old. I have a lot of stuff. Can I tell you what I do when I always get a glow-in-the-dark hand? I go into a closet. <laughs> and I shut the door. <laughs> you know, I never get afraid. I never get afraid. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I've got a light touch of amnesia or dementia. I have no idea. But I'll get in there, and I can't figure out which way I'm turned. I forget the light. I can't find anything. But you know, I never get afraid. And I'll finally find the light switch, go out. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because way back yonder in that little closet with all those little crazy kids, you know what I learned? No matter how petrified I was, it will come to pass. 
And so now when I'm in a trial and now I'm in a dark room, I don't worry if I get turned around. I don't worry if I can't find a light switch. I don't worry if I can't find a doorknob. Do you know why? Because I know it doesn't matter if I can't find all of that. I do know it won't last forever. How do I know it won't last forever? Because even though it may be dark, the sun will come up and there'll be a beam of light that shines up under that door, number one. Or number two, eventually my wife is going to come and need some clothes out of that closet. And when I can't, oh God, I feel Holy Ghost right now. When I can't find my way out, there is somebody on the outside that can find their way in. I remind some child of God right now, it looks like the problem's got you hemmed up. It looks like the problem's got you situated in. But the day will come when the good God of heaven will step out of where he's at and walk into where you're at. It will come to pass. Y'all ain't never met a preacher that can make up stories like that, have you? (laughs) Number three, no matter what you're in, you can always be thankful for the fact that it will all work out. You need to always remember this. It will work out. I don't know why I've been using this verse so much here lately, Romans 8 and 28. And we know that how many of those things? Now, wait a second. Heather, put, put our text verse back up, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In how many things? Everything. Let's look back at Romans 8 and 28. And we know that how many things? Now, I'm not the smartest but I'm pretty sure all things and everything are the same thing. So no matter what you're in, it's either an all thing or an everything. Am I right about it? So therefore, it will work out for those that love God. And so when it overwhelms me, I can lift my eyes to heaven and I can say, Lord, it sure is heavy. But I want to thank you that somehow, in some way, it's all going to work out. God, I don't know what it's all about. And I'm not thankful for that child leaving. And I'm not thankful for that doctor's report. And I'm not thankful for that person's words. And I'm not thankful for that situation. And God, I, I, I don't really understand... What that's for. But God, I'm right smack dab in it. And I just want to say, Lord, I want to thank you that it will all work out eventually. I wonder how many of you right now in the fire of your life have arrived at that place where you've stopped thanking God. You look at Thanksgiving coming up and now you look at Just another day to get together instead of just stopping and saying, Lord, I'm in something. But right now I want to be thankful for. 